Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. As you know, the changes that occur during the preteen and teen years are not only physical ones. There are mental, emotional, spiritual, and social changes that also occur in which external influences typically increase. These influences may deal with the potential of a young person experimenting with or using substances, or if you want to call them drugs in which for today's episode, substances are being referred to a drug that alters a person's body and or mind, and they include alcohol, marijuana, tobacco, as well as a slew of others. To help us talk about the topic today, I have Bobby Newman, who is an interventionist, certified drug prevention professional, and substance abuse counselor. Thank you so much for being here, Bobby. How are you today? And would you mind saying hi to our audience? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. And hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? I hope you're doing well. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, like your background? Yes, for sure. I um, I am from a very small town in southern Oklahoma. I actually have people. It's funny because people say, oh, I'm from a small town, too. Like, oh, yeah. How many people? And they'll say, oh, 3,000. I'm like, OK. <laughs> and I'm from that. My town is from heck, 648 people in it and uh, about 13 churches. Um, so we went to church. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, my wife is from a Southern Oklahoma too. She's from a little town, about 400 people. But anyway, we're from, we're, I'm from a small town in Oklahoma and, you know, uh, had the, it was actually a great experience. A lot of great people there, you know, again, small school, but had the uh, opportunity to excel, you know, play sports, basketball, football, and, and did, we did well. We, and we, we did well enough to have fun and we really enjoyed it. But then when I got in high school uh, and then later on in high school, as I was graduating, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with my life. And I, I, I went into, you know, uh, a construction trade, a, a trade school. Then I went to college and then, you know, so it was just one thing after another. And it, it just I made up some bad decisions along the way and it ended up being, you know, getting me in a lot of trouble. What do you recall about growing up in your puberty experience? Well, I recall, you know, being very confused. Life was very confusing to me as a kid. I mean, it was seemed to be confusing because I, I would see people that were supposed to be my role models or people that looked up to or advising me, but yet I would see some of the things they would do and I would be confused about it. And I'd be like, how is that okay? But this other thing's not okay. You know, how, you know, and being able to, you know, and, and I didn't have an understanding. And I, I don't necessarily know that it's that you know, the person that I was, uh, you know, the people I'm referring to is their fault. It's just that I didn't have a good understanding of how things ought should be. So, you know, the, you know, in that I don't hopefully that makes sense. I was just talking with some of my future teachers about theoretical concepts, including modeling. And that's what I'm hearing you refer to, like the modeling that you had in your life was confusing. Was it something like do as I say, not as I do? It seems like that. I mean, you know, we obviously, you know, 
with the church, with the church on the Sundays, but then, then all the activities between that time that would happen with even within the family and what seemed to be somewhat socially acceptable, but then you'd go to church and you're supposed to be. So it, it was like, yeah, yeah, I I guess it would be modeling. I guess you're right. So okay, it wasn't like trying to, who do, what do I hang my hat on as to what, what do I want to be like? Who, who do I, who do I want to emulate or be like? And I, and I can't, couldn't, other than like a professional sports athlete, you know, I had no person that I could, you know, look at and go, I want to be like that guy. I said a little while ago that I used the term substances and drugs in which a substance is a drug that alters one's body and or mind. And I use the phrase alcohol and other drugs in my classroom setting because we're talking about substances or drugs today. When did you become aware of them and then potentially experiment? Well, I mean, I can remember a time we went to a rodeo and alcohol was involved in, you know, in in our presence my entire time growing up. I mean, beer, things like that. And, uh, but, you know, I remember one time, the first time I got drunk, I think I was like 11 years old and we went to a, was at a rodeo and they had this great big water trough with filled full of ice, which had pop in it and had beer in it. So everybody would just go and get, I mean, this was a great big tub and everybody would just, all the kids would go get a pop out of it. And the adults would go get a beer. Well then, you know, just slide right over and grab you a beer and, you know, take off with it. Nobody sees you. And at that time you could drink two or three and be completely annihilated so you know that was the first time i thought we were you know kicks oh we're, you know we'd sneak off and grab one and sneak off ride our horses out back and nobody would see us and you know we're anyway that's kind of the first time i remember being drunk 11 years old do you think that a lot of people consider alcohol a drug well they should if they don't they should i mean anything that's a toxic substance that alters your you know cognitive impairs your ability to think clearly you know, it's toxic. That's why they call it intoxicated. <laughs> so uh, it, that's good. Yeah. So, so and there's the other thing with, you know, when they do a, somebody overdoses, they do it, they do a toxicology test, right? So toxic is the key word there. So it's what toxins were in his body. They can detect alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, any of those things. So. Thank you. I never put two and two together in that one. I usually can look at the words, but that yeah. I'm glad that you said that. Yeah. Now, am I correct to understand that you had access to alcohol when you were younger and then did that did that lead to other drugs? Is that what I believe your history is or no? Well, I mean, you know, I, I uh, played football and sports and things like that. And, I, you know, when I got older, 15, 16 years old, I mean, we would sneak out and go fishing. And then, you know, we just got to be where it was more more prevalent and and then you got to be more frequent and um and then by the time i'm after in, even in high school i you know i'll never do those harder drugs i'll never smoke marijuana i'll never be a dope head and then i got older at 17 and i and i and i started getting like curious about it and i thought well you know i so one time i tried i got i had a breakup with a girlfriend i was all upset i was like you know what the heck with it i'm gonna go try it and i did and nothing happened it was like uh, you know it was no big deal i thought okay so that was no big deal i you know so i tried it i did it again and um so that's kind of it kind of went from there and then I, then as i got introduced to other things i've said well alcohol and 
marijuana was no big deal. I was getting my kicks off doing that. So then somebody showed up with some harder drugs and of course we're off to the races at that point. So, yeah. What do you see happening now with preteens and teens and substances? Well, this whole, you know, I mean, obviously people will, and I'll, I'll argue with them because, you know, I have information about marijuana and any, anytime you're taking something to alter your state of mind, you're doing it to solve some sort of problem, right? You have a problem that you're trying to solve, whether it be boredom, whether it be trying to fit in, whether you feel insecure, whether whatever it is, or, and it could be innocent enough. I, I, mine was boredom. I mean, we're just like, and then also wanting to hang out with my friends and you'd go hang out with your friends and uh, ha ha ha. And you do silly things and say stu- silly stuff. And, and, you know, then it'd be a good time. And you'd talk about it later. Well, people look at when you, now, obviously we have the argument about legalization and things like that, as far as marijuana concerned, and there's a lot of misinformation about marijuana and now they're making it and they're specifically targeting kids. They, you know, they wanted, they came out with vape pens a few years ago as a means of trying to help people that are stop smoking because nicotine is harmful. Well, the tobacco companies lied about the, the, the harmfulness of, of cigarettes. We know that that's been proven. Right. right. Well, guess who's behind the legalization of marijuana? Tobacco companies. How do you know that? Because there's actually specific people that research this. I have one of my prevention guys is a good friend of mine. Who's the top prevent prevention presenter in the country. Millions of kids, 13 or 14 million kids. He researches this team stuff. And he, he, and he talks about, there's actually, uh, there's a Chinese tobacco company and a British tobacco company that are behind. They're these corporations that own like these other companies. It's conglomeration. And they actually own, if you chase it down, you're, you're to the two major players are particularly with vapes. Now, vapes are, that was again, the market, it was a marketing tool, a new method of distributing the nicotine and they under the, oh, it's safer than cigarettes, which is not true. It's actually more harmful. And um, there, and anybody can, if they want, if they're listening to this and they want to challenge me on that, or they want to ask for more information, they definitely are welcome to do that because I would, I'd be happy the opportunity to educate them on the actual truth. Cause I have no, uh, you know, other than actually not wanting kids to make a bad decision based off misinformation and lies. Um, but anyway, to, yeah, I forgot, kind of got, I feel like I'm getting off on a tangent, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, it, it, the, the, the uh, vape pens were, are, now they're cooking marijuana down and, and putting it in marijuana in vape pens. And there's several, and they're targeting kids, whether they say, Oh, underage. I, I tell people the underage abuse of marijuana is going to skyrocket. If they, if the people continue to legalize it. Right. And you can't say that. I said, certainly I can say that. Look at the amount of problems that underage drinking causes, you know, because, well, they're going to be able to regulate it. I said, oh, yeah, they're going to regulate it just like they are alcohol. Look at the billions and billions of dollars of problems that are associated with underage drinking. Right. You know, teenage pregnancies, uh, you know, just the host of them, right? So, the, the, and people aren't going to be more responsible with marijuana. They're just as irresponsible with alcohol. So, and then kids get the idea. And also they're targeting kids. They've got products out there that are they can deliver like a vape that's in a inhaler 
There's vapes that are in pens that people can use, literally sit there in class. And I, and I hope I don't give anybody the wrong idea because it's, you know, by there's things out there that they're targeting kids to be able to use these products mm-hmm. because that's their future customers. That's, that's the truth of the matter. So, uh, you know, and, and marijuana these days, I've seen more and more as an interventionist, having done this for over 20 years, I've seen more and more young people, uh, early 20s that are completely psychotic and all they're testing for is marijuana. They're p- testing positive for is marijuana. The potency of the marijuana these days that they're, 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 they're pulling out of the plants themselves is astronomical. And now they're actually condensing it down and concentrating it more and making it nearly 100% THC. Not to include, not to mention the other chemicals that are now involved with the vape process. And also because when it, the element in the vape pen that heats the nicotine up to the degree is actually causes it to more, be more toxic along with the other chemicals that are in the vape. Same thing with the marijuana that's in the vape. And they're also putting other products in uh, vape pens. Now I had a, I did an intervention on an 18 year old kid out of Atlanta a couple of years ago, and he was cooking Xanax down and putting it in his vape pen smoking and to, to be doing it to, to that degree at that young of age. I wasn't, I was an addict for, 17 years and i never got i mean it was like i was had been using drugs for 10 or 12 years before i got to that level this kid was 18 years old yeah you know so it's and so but again to go back to the toxicity of the marijuana thc these days is and the, and the chemicals that are they're putting on the marijuana themselves itself is causing people to, to go into psychosis permanently so, and, and then they're also putting fentanyl in marijuana these days right. to, to make it more addicting. So there's a lot of things out there that people don't realize or know when they're making those decisions. As a former school health educator, and then as a college educator, that's what I currently do. Okay. I talk with my young people about how the brain's not fully developed. I'm not the person to say drugs are bad because certainly medicines, when used properly, they can be okay as long as, you know, they're following directions. It doesn't have a negative effect on their bodies. You know, they're not allergic to it and stuff. But even things like alcohol and other drugs, like if the brain's not fully developed until the age of 25, I... I hope that people make better decisions until their brain's fully developed. I'm not saying never use a drug, but that brain development is so critical during those preteen and teen years. Right. Would you agree with me? I I do agree with you. I think that everyone should be aware of any drug that they're taking and what the consequences, the pros and cons. And obviously sometimes drugs are necessary, right? That's just the bottom. That's the facts. But any drug that you take, you should understand the, the the pros and cons of that drug. And I'll give you another example of that. Le- the least, the mildest drug, what would you say the mildest drug known to man was? The mildest. I say, let me back that up and say over the counter, mildest drug known to man. You know, I would say aspirin. Well, I, I, that's, that's the word I was actually looking for. I mean, what do you think <laughs> the cause of liver disease is? So it's toxic. I mean, obviously, sometimes... Obviously, you know, if you have a toothache or, you know, sometimes you would, or some people take it for, you know, to thin their blood. And I mean, there's various uses for it, but continual consistent use of it will damage your liver. So 
you have to be aware that's the mildest drug known to man. So all drugs have a toxicity to them, right? right. So I would be aware of, and it, you take the word antibiotic. Now, what is the word? You break it down. Now, obviously, antibiotics are needed. I mean, I got pneumonia back in, about 10 years ago, almost killed me. If I hadn't had antibiotics, I would have died. Right. So, but antibiotics means antibiotic means life. So anti-life, it goes in there and kills all the bacteria. Right. So that's that again. I mean, and, and you don't, if you take too many of those, your body, your, your, your immune system won't build up. So you have to be aware. And I, I would educate, I, I would, uh, you know, um, want people to be educated about what they're taking. So you have 20 years of experience in the interventionist field. How did you get into the field? I went through rehab 21 years ago. I went through. Did you rehab. go through it once and only once? One time. I went through one time and I, once I stepped through the portal, I decided I, I, I knew right then I'm never going back. I don't, didn't know. It was like a process that I went to. I'd been in, it was a long-term program. And I, I handled some stuff. I got myself clean physically, you know, handled the, the effects of the physical effects of the drugs. And I was handling the underlying, you know, issues, guilt issues, which they're tremendous. And I was able to handle the guilt that I felt. And when I felt, when I was able to relieve myself of that, I, not that, you know, again, it's not means that I don't take responsibility for the things that I've done. It's just, I don't feel like I, uh, you know, somebody that should be under the ground versus <laughs> walking around above the ground. I felt so bad. And once I was able to handle that, I, I was like, wow, I, I feel so good. I never want to do anything that would cause me to go back there. Right. So You must have had a really great program because there are a lot of people that it's not just once they have to go to rehab numerous times because they go back to the substance or a bunch of substances or any substance. Isn't that correct? Well, yeah, you know, it was a very good program. It was very thorough. And, um, you know, there's the, most people would agree with me that the hardest things to achieve recovery, you need to be able to handle three major, there's a lot of things you need to handle, but the three major ones are cravings, depression, and or anxiety and guilt. And if you can't handle those three things, or you don't handle those three things, then the likelihood you're going to stay sober are, is not very good. And I would say the program I went to handled those three things very well. And unbeknownst to me at the time, I didn't know I was kind of going through the process and it, I look back now and it also helped me make the decision not to go back to the same environment from which I came. Okay. I, I did not go back to the same, I, I, you know, I, I didn't go back to the same small town where I lived. I moved not too far, you know, a few hours away, but I had a different environment and different people that I was around people that were sober, people that were striving to do good things. And I, you know, and I, and I, and I was able to use that because I learned how to do drug prevention at that time. And we had a drug prevention program we were trying to set up. And then I was able to go back to where I was from and deliver drug prevention to the whole area before I had been using drugs and doing drugs and selling drugs. I was able to go back and sort of like, you know, make up the damage a little bit by educating kids. So so you went through rehab and then you got like your own training to become an interventionist for other people to help other people not go down the same path of having an addiction or well, having it started issues. Out pre- it, well, I'm sorry. It, it started out in prevention and I started out doing that. And then it kind of 
went over into inter- interventions as I went along because I, people would say, Hey, you know, we've got a guy, we need you to go get him. And so I had to kind of learn, do on the job training as far as being able to learn the best methods to do interventions. And so I, I, um, I mean, the first intervention I did, it really was kind of an escort. I went up to New York and picked a guy up and brought him back um, to Oklahoma to a facility where I was at. And, um, but, you know, then it just kind of grew from there. And I kind of did the next one. Then the, and then, then I, I, you know, I've been out on my own uh, doing interventions for, I've been doing interventions for, you know, like I said, 20 years, but I've, I've been on my own as a business uh, for the last five years. So, or six, actually six years. So. Well, when do you think parents and other caregivers should start talking with young people about substances, including alcohol to their kids? I think that it's a real thing to, I mean, we used to, our prevention programs used to go down and talk to third graders. You know, we would talk to them about what they were, you know, this is what drugs do. And then we obviously would, talk to them in a manner to which they could understand it. I mean, you know, you're in the third, you know, third, fourth grade, you got a, you know, very short 15 minute little presentation, one piece of information you want them to, you know, understand and, and, and remember. And, and it usually comes along with this, a, a story, you know, and they would, they would get it. It was a lot of fun, you know, so they would, then you could go back. I mean, we would present these, programs to kids and we could go back months later and ask them the questions about, you know, what's, you know, what's the definition of a drug? And we would keep it really simple and they would, they would, they would be able to give us the answer. So, and what was the answer? uh, Drugs are essentially poisons. Okay. You know, a little bit will have the desired effect. A little bit more will put you to sleep and enough of any drug at one time will kill you. Well, say if there are some people that are listening in and say, that's not my kid regarding they won't go down the road of having an issue with substances. What do you say to that? I say I'll probably get a phone call from that person at some point, you know, because, you know, well, it's because because even my kid who, you know, was when he was 14, 15 years old, was going down that path. And I, and I had been in rehab, working in rehab and prevention. He had gone with me to programs to talk to kids about drugs in juvenile detention programs and, and, you know, all kinds of schools. He had gone with me. He spent, we, he and I, one summer, we went, drove all over. And that's all we did was go to schools and camps and stuff like that, talking to kids about drugs. And then uh, when he was 14, 15 years old, he started going down that path. Now he didn't have a substance abuse issue, but he started making bad decisions. And so, if my kid <laughs> can do it, it, would, it, it happens to my kid. It'll, it can likely. Now, I don't mean I'm not taking anything away from them as, as a parent. I'm just saying it's a little bit of a blinders on type of approach. I, I would. That's what I would think anyway. Maybe it's not true, but that's what I would think. Say if there's someone listening in and saying, well, you know, I experimented like with alcohol when I was younger. And my kid, you know, it's alcohol. That's not a big deal. What do you say to that? Well, you know, I get that all the time. Well, your kid, that's not you. I mean, you have the same example could be you have a family with five kids and four of them are doing fantastic and one of them is not doing so well, right? Something that something went wrong for that one individual. 
but they're, they're not all the same. It's what, what's, what's true for you and what happened to you may not happen for you, for your child. And you, my dad drank beer forever and he's now so been sober for a long time and he's read that, read that, you know, he's doing great. Uh, but, um, you know, he could stop. He had more, he had things that were more important to him than drinking alcohol. Like his, you know, working, may having a job, supporting his family, having a, you know, making sure his family was okay. He would stop. He would have cut that other stuff out, you know, for, for those reasons. Now, um, he wouldn't have, you know, and a lot of people can't do that for me. Like me, I came along and, and, uh, you know, I, I got to the point where it was kind of a 50, 50 type of thing for me. I, I drinking and working was, you know, kind of, you know, just, just depending on which way the wind was blowing <laughs> that day. I, I always had a job. So I would just caution them to think, you know, that that's, that's great. That's awesome. But may not be the same for your, your, your son or daughter. So. Yeah. So I know working at the college level, some young folks might say, Hey, you know, I have access to things I didn't have before and I'm going to just do whatever I want to do. And I get concerned about like, if they're going to use alcohol, I, I choose for them to have a healthy relationship with the substance, not to have to use it as a coping mechanism or to get smashed. Like what's going on. If they're getting smashed, I get concerned about use of it, like to get drunk. I get very concerned about that. Well, I can, you know, I used to, people used to ask me, well, did you ever drink alcohol? And I'd say, I would drink a pint of whiskey on the way to the store to get beer. You know, <laughs> I drink a lot. And, mm -hmm. and I look back now and number one, I'm, I, I don't know why I felt like I had to drink that much, you know, to have a good time. Cause I don't have mm -hmm. to drink anything now to have a good time. So I, there was something about the fact of my, it, you know, I don't, again, I, I look back at the amount consumed. And I'm like, it's, there's really a point of like, it's kind of ridiculous to, um, and it, you know, people heard me talking that knew me back then right now, they would think, well, this is not where <laughs> you're a different guy. Cause yeah, I used to drink a lot. And I, and I look back now, I have no idea why, because, you know, again, if you could go have a beer or two beers or, you know, but if your sole purpose for going somewhere is to get smashed, something wrong with that picture. You know, there's something going on there that it, for me, I mean, if you're, I, if you go to a party, you want to go there and Hey, meet girls or meet boys or meet whatever, have a good time, you know, enjoy yourself, be able to go home safely, you know, and not have, do things that you're possibly going to regret. Um, and, 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 and be able to wake up the next day and go, wow, well, I had a great time last night. And I, you know, I, I didn't have, I don't have dents in the car or I'm not in jail or nobody got hurt or, you know, nobody got sick or, you know, it was just, we just had fun. That was it. And so, I remember everything too. You know, I remember everything. I didn't get taken advantage of. I, you know, nobody did, you know, no, no fights broke out. I mean, it's like those just things. It's just, it, it's kind of insane because it, it could be. I, I was so ridiculous back in the day. I mean, such I, I, I was so ridiculous that I couldn't even go to a club within 30 miles of my house because they wouldn't let me in. That's okay. how ridiculous it was for me. And then I would I would be sitting at a table with people and having a great time and get up and go over and get in an altercation with somebody 
and get thrown out. And I look back and I'm like, wow, just 10 minutes ago, I was sitting at a table with my friends having a great time. <laughs> now I'm out in the parking lot having to get in my car and go home. <laughs> Usually beat up or whatever. I, it's just ridiculous, you know? So I, 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 could, I could go back to those days like they were yesterday and I, I shake my head going, what was I thinking, you know? Well, how can an adult approach a young person to start talking about substances? Do you have any techniques or things they can do? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a touchy thing because if a person's doing something, um, I, and I look back and this is what I, you know, I have a, a son, you know, I started a new life. I have a son that's 30 years old, doing fabulous, lives in Miami, just got married. He's, you know, and then, and then I have an 11 year old son and my wife and I've been married for coming on 16 years. And, but you know, one thing that I always try to tell folks is to make it safe for your t- parent, your kids to come and talk to you, make it feel like they can come and talk to you and that you'll be able to have a conversation with them. And yeah, you know, and I, cause I try to tell my, I'd always tell them, look, and I just have a heart to heart conversations with me. I, you know, even my dad and my p- parents, when they were yelling at me, I never listened to anything, even though what they were saying might I've never heard the message because of the way it was delivered. And even though they probably were right, even though they were yelling and they were mad, because it's hard to do to not get mad sometimes. But when my dad would say things that were just matter of fact, like and then just in a normal tone of voice, it would be very and he maybe he realized it or I don't know if he did or not, but it would I was like, whoa, that actually made a lot of sense. I would listen that point sometimes with my son i figured out how to get him to listen to me i would tell my friend who he thought a lot of (laughs) and then my friend would tell him because he and and then he would come to me going well you know so and so said this and i'm like i've been i've been back in my mind i'm thinking i've been saying that for three years now but he finally would listen to my friend because anything that i said he automatically was going to block it out i mean that's kind of like a phenomenon that happens with kids and parents but Okay. I just wanted to get the message. I didn't care how I got it. So, so be an approachable parent. Yep. When speaking to your child, use a calm or an inquisitive tone, you know, not a yelling tone. Yeah. And then if your child connects with a family friend who they seem to look up to, have that person of your community or tribe also relay messages to your child. That's, yeah, that that's. That's a, that, that sums it up. <laughs> okay. So, so, And have you ever used like teachable moments? You see something on TV, like certainly if you watch football and you see all the commercials on, there's a lot of beer commercials. What do you think about talking to kids at those times? Well, yeah. I mean, if it, if it's, it seems like, yeah, I mean, I think any time would be, cause it's never too soon. It's always too, you know, you know, it's never in my, that's my motto. It's never too soon. It's always too late. You know, it can always be too late. It, it can never be too soon, you know, and they're and they're trapping kids. They're marketing, you know, they'll try to say that they're not for alcohol and and, and tobacco and marijuana. They're they're targeting kids. Uh, they're going after them. I mean, and it's like and if you can give the kids the information, they're most more likely to make the right decision because they're super smart, yeah. you know. And one matter of fact, I like to tell a funny story about my son, who was a very smart kid, very outgoing, uh, both of them. But they um, 
you know, I told my oldest, I said, you know, I'm going to be, when he was about 12, 13, I said, you know, there's going to be a weird thing that's going to happen. You know, for the next few years, I'm going to be probably the dumbest person, you know, you know, and then about 21, 22, I'll get smarter again. And then maybe later in your mid twenties, I'll get a little bit more. And then you'll start telling me, you remember dad, when you told me blah, blah, blah. But right now we're in that, we're entering into that me being a dumb person. So just bear with me. We'll get through it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, but you're going to remember at some point you're going to, um, you're going to remember me telling you these things and hope you're going to reflect back. I hope, and I hope you don't have a mental picture of me with my fist in the air, my mouth wide open yell while I'm yelling, because I feel like that's the way it might be, but hopefully you'll remember those, these, these times. Cause right now, maybe not, but the problem that I have with a lot, I said, you know, and I, and this is me talking to him. I would say, you know, you probably think you're the smartest kid in the room. You're the p- smartest person in the room. You can tell by the way, some of your answers that you, you think you're the smartest person in the room. Right. And he, he kind of like shake his head. I'm like, and I, I really, I honestly can't disagree with you. I can't, you know, because you are a really smart guy, you know, mm-hmm. I, but the problem that I have is you being the smartest person in the room. Why are you having such a difficult time with all this other dumb people? <laughs> you know, that's the trick. <laughs> you know, it was kind of, I want you to think about that because you should be able to have your cake and eat it too. You should be able to do what you want to do because we're willing to do a lot of things for you. And, 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 but you know, yet it's, it's always a, it's always a, a battle. Because there's certain things that you know I'm never going to agree with and I'm never going to allow. I'm just, it's just not going to happen. You know that I've made it very clear. So, and, but there's a lot of free reign here. <laughs> there's a lot more free reign than there is restrictions. So I'm not sure, you know, who's got, you know, what the deal is. And I said, you just think, sit on that for a minute. And then, and he, and he, it would sink in. He would get it, you know, but I, I would, because he was a smart kid. I mean, but sometimes we make bad decisions, even when we're smart. So. What do you recommend if a parent or other caregiver sees signs of substance use? I recommend taking it up. I re- recommend because anything it's like a, like a, a you know, a, I don't care for me anymore like getting a traffic ticket or getting a parking ticket or getting, you know, something happening, uh, um, even p- driving a flat, uh, you know, getting a flat tire. Like I get something in my tire. I mean, anything like that, that's kind of like, I'm always paying, trying to pay attention to, okay, where did I, where did I pick that up? Where did I, where did I drive that actually caused me to get something in my tire to where now I got to take the time to, you know, take, change the tire out. So I'm looking at those things now. I don't disregard them. And these are like those things, the signs of life as you're going down the road of life and you see the flashing neon sign on the side of the road, you know, which a parking ticket or truancy or bad grades or departure from the normal friends that you would hang out with and hanging out with a new set of friends or, or maybe being introverted and, you know, isolating yourself or all those signs that those, I would pay attention and go, what's going on, what's happening. You know, I'd try to maybe have a discussion with, you know, the other parent or maybe somebody else in the family and say, Hey, what, you know, do you notice anything that's going on here and what can we do? And then ease in trying to figure out how I could have a conversation with, 
with the person. I wouldn't ignore it because those are the signs. And it's kind of like, I, again, I go back to the road of life and you've had the flashing signs on the side of the road. And then when you get to the cliff or the, you know, or the brick wall, well, you've had signs all along the way. Right. You know, I've had, I go into people's house doing interventions now, walk in there. Well, I, I'm not sure if he's using drugs or not. I could walk in there within two seconds. Now I'm like, there's paraphernalia everywhere. I'm like, I don't know. They're, they're literally in the same house. I don't know how that happens. In which some of the paraphernalia that you referred to, it's it's disguised as something else. Yeah. And because there are so many different ways to hide a substance these days, yeah. like you had even referred to earlier, that there are kids that vape in the classroom. Yeah. And some people would say, oh, you can see that as a teacher. But sometimes like the vaping pen, it looks like um, like a memory stick for the computer. Yeah. It's yeah. It looks yeah. like something else that's usable yeah. in that setting. And it's right in front of our eyes. And do you have other examples that might be right there and people don't even realize? It could well, be there's used? inhalers, there's, you know, there's inhalers, there's pins, there's, uh, you know, people, you know, like the asthma inhalers. And, you know, matter of fact, you brought up the, uh, the, uh, you know, um, memory stick, memory stick. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> you don't another. remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't remember the memory stick. So, <laughs> I, but, you know, my friend actually mentioned that the other day. So all these things are, their specific purpose is to hide what the actual thing is. And I'll give you an example of something that I noticed. We were doing the intervention on the 18-year-old kid, and he was breaking down Xanax or what's a benzodiazepine, which is anti-anxiety med, and putting it in vape pens. And we were doing the intervention, and the kid is hitting that vape pen and his eyes would roll back in his head. He would just kind of almost lose consciousness for a minute. And I'm looking at his parents going, what's in the vape pen? What's in the pen? Something's in the pen. And uh, they were like, we don't, we don't know. And then, so then everything went on with the intervention. So I, I, I told the dad, I said, you need to ask the younger brother who, what, who, what's going on with the vape pen. Cause the young, I, the brothers know, <laughs> I guarantee you they know. And he, he's like, so he, the dad pulled the younger one along, you know, and said, look, come on, man, you got to, we're trying to help your brother, you know, tell us what's going on. And the younger one said that, yeah, they've been cooking. And he told us that they'd been putting it in the vape pen for probably over a year. So this had been going right on again, right on, you know, and they, but they couldn't, but you could see the kid every time he hit the pin, what would happen to him. I think, how old do you have to be 18 years old? Or is it 18 or 21 to buy a vape pen? It depends upon the state. I know. I think here in this state, it's 21 now. So it's illegal, right? So they should, mm-hmm. nobody should, under the age of 21 they shouldn't, have have it. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have it. And, right. you know, I had a friend of mine that was having trouble with his son who's doing great, but right now, and he, he did a fan, fantastic job. It took him a minute, but the dad was doing, the kid was 15 years old, extremely smart kid, extremely capable kid, making bad decisions, going down the wrong path. But, you know, and the kid's vaping and he's doing this, he's doing that. He's making, just getting out of hand. And I told the dad, I said, look, he's confused. I said, what do you mean? I said, he sat there and broke three laws while I was sitting there in front of him in a restaurant. He's vaping. He's 15 years old. He's not even supposed to be in the restaurant vaping. You're letting him vape in the restaurant. He's not even supposed to have a vape. He's 15 years old and you're letting him do it. So when he goes out and does these other things that you don't want him to do, you know, you have to define your moral code and keep a moral code in with an agreed upon moral code that you guys both agree on. And you, so you can't have it where he's going to be able to do these things that are not okay and against the law. And then 
and not be able to do these other things because he can't tell the difference. To, to him, it's all the same. He's like, well, you know, so you have to be get a well-defined moral, you know, so he can get his own moral compass dialed in and where he wants to go in life and what he wants to do with it. So. My last question for you, Bobby, is if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, how can they? They can go to my website at newmaninterventions.com. That's N-E-W-M-A-N interventions.com. And, uh, or they can call me at 866-989-4499. Now I have people that answer my phone, but just tell them that you heard me on this podcast and you have a few questions and they'll, they'll tell you how to get a hold of me. Or they can, you know, uh, if they, I they can call my cell phone too, they can text me at 808-351-6444. Now that number shows up as Hawaii, but, uh, I live in Kansas City where I'm at. I'm in Kansas City now. So, but again, you can reach me 808-351-6444, or you can go to my website, newmaninterventions.com or call 866-989-4499. And I will put this information into this episode's description. So it'll be there. If somebody didn't write it down, you can just look for the description in this episode and any last words or comments for our listeners today. I attribute my path to indecision and not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. All abilities, but you know, you can imagine, I look at that, um, that, that cartoon called Finding Dory or Finding Nemo. And okay. the fish that was swimming around all the time that was kind of lost and didn't know where she was at, you know, and, you know, you look at that, you, like that, that, that fish is li- more likely to get into trouble than the, the, the one who's got a clear cut path of where he's going and what he wants to do with his life. Yeah. Right. Because something will come along that will grab that person's attention that and substances will provide some sort of stimulation that you like, you know, and you're more likely to use that. Oh, well, I want to do that, you know, and use that as a coping mechanism or whatever. So I really, really, um, you know, there's a few things. One is pick a path, get on it and find a mentor, find somebody that you can, you know, you want to emulate be like not, you know, somebody that's, that's real, some, a real person that you can attain, you know, you can, you can model yourself out and decide that's what I want to do. Right. Even that kid that I was telling you about that 15 year old that was vaping in the restaurant, he knew what he wanted to do. He just couldn't figure out how to get there. Once he could, once his dad helped him figure out how to get there, he went off and and got him kind of, you know, on the right path. He took off and is doing great. So that's what I always tell kids. Don't, you know, it'll come to me. I'll figure out what I want to do with my life. Those are the ones that are more, most likely to, to make bad decisions. So, you know, pick your path and get on it. And there's a lot to be had out there. There's a lot of fun to be had and, and uh, just be safe, you know, make the right decisions. So. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Bobby. And for those of you listening and check out that website of Newman Interventions, there are tabs that are labeled about the services that Bobby can offer. Um, there's information about alcohol, other substances, just overall, there's a, there's a blog on there. So check it out. And if you want to connect with Bobby, 
go there, call up those uh, phone numbers that he provided. And I really appreciate, Bobby, when you say things like, it's not bad kids. Kids aren't bad. They make poor, unhealthy decisions. That's the bottom line. I, that's right. You know, I, <laughs> I you made me think, and I, I'm sorry to take so long, but I, I, I did an intervention on this kid down in uh, Florida that was, you know, wasn't quite, he was just under 18 years old. And um, he weighed 135 pounds soaking wet, but he, this guy was a little spitfire, man. He, it took, he, it, it just took a lot. I'm talking like five cop cars, a canine and a helicopter to get this kid corralled. And he was just a little spitfire. But once he got, we got him corralled and got him, you know, he would have been a ward of the state for the rest of his life. But we got him corralled and got him into a program that could help him kind of refocus. And he actually then could sink his teeth into a, a he, he learned a trade where he can learn out, go out and be a, a technician on refrigeration units. Okay. And the guy that the program helped him do that. And he was able to then, OK, well, I don't have to go do all this other stuff. I can go do this something, actually get something and and, and achieve something in, in his life. And so. I was really, really happy to, for that kid, even though it was a nightmare getting him where he needed to be. That when he he had been to this particular program, they kept him around for uh, several months. But he, number one, he wanted to be there, and two, they wanted to help him. Even that guy, <laughs> I laugh because when it first started, man, it was like, oh boy, here we go. But we got him. You know, we, the kid actually has a fighting chance now, and he doesn't have to go into what I call the pits of H-E-double-L and be there because that's what that is. That's, that's the, that was his alternative. And so these kids do have an opportunity and I don't care where you're at or what's happened to you. Your future is in your hands. You know, there are opportunities out there and there are people that will help you. So. Well, thank you for being one of those people, Bobby. I believe that people listening in, they appreciate your honesty and that there is support out there for young people, again, it's, they're not bad people. They're making poor decisions. That's right. And we're trying to help redirect them to be on the path that they can truly show their brilliance. So thank you so much for being here today, Bobby. I appreciate your time. And for the audience, feel free to reach out to me at pubertyprof.com if you have any comments or questions. And I thank you so much for listening in. And I hope you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.